1: Now, how should leaders actually lead innovation? This is a topic we explored back in Episode 149 with Dr. Mike Mitchell. He's a teacher and researcher for the Center for Creative Leadership. Back then, he was conducting research on the topic and discovering what organizational leaders need to do differently when they are involved with innovation projects. Now, he has finished his research and has published a book with his findings, and the book's titled, Supporting Innovators, Trust, Purpose, and Partnership. The subtitle are the three areas where leaders need to approach innovation differently than they're really used to. And they are also the three topics that we're going to discuss, trust, purpose, and partnership. As always, I take notes for you. The notes are a great way to share this information with your leadership team or to review something that you heard. You'll find those notes at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 228. Now, let's talk to Mike. Mike, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast once again.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jan. Good to be here again.
1: So you were here about a year ago with us, and you were sharing some of your findings from research that you were doing at that point about what is involved in leading innovation. And it's a topic that has come up even more since we last talked. I'm often working with product managers, with product teams, with product VPs. And all of them talk about that they want more of their senior leaders to understand what's involved in innovation and help to lead innovation for them. So I'm glad we can get back together. You have the book published now with all your findings and conclusions of that research, and we'll talk through that. But first, last time we talked a little bit about how important is innovation to product leaders, to organizations. Has anything changed on that space? What have you found?
2: Well, it's still very important. In other words... All you have to do is do a Google search on business innovation. and You see that innovation just has billions and billions of hits. So we know it's still important. And we have research that says that of our vast panel of senior executives, uh, 94% say that innovation is important, but only 14% of those same executives say that their organizations are good at it. So that gap between 94%, it's important, but we're only 14% saying that they're good at it. That is the gap that uh, I, and along with CCL, have been aiming to try to fill to figure out what's causing that gap and how do we fix that mm-hmm. and bring closure.
1: Okay. So still very important to organizations.
2: Extremely important. Okay. Um, and some other additional research we said, and we'll get into this, I know, but is how important or how different is innovation leadership? In other words, we wanted to know. Do leaders of people who are responsible for innovation, do they need to behave differently or behave in different ways or emphasize certain things? Mm -hmm. So we asked that question, is leading innovation different than if you're leading an ongoing function? And a vast majority, again, 80-some percent said, yes, leading innovation is different than leading an ongoing function because in innovation, there is greater risk and there is greater ambiguity. So, you know, like a lot of research, when you say it out loud, like, well, we knew that. But what the research does is really solidify and codify that, what we think we already know. I think we all intuitively know, or most of us intuitively know, that leading innovation is different than leading an ongoing business. But now we can say conclusively, our panel of executives are in agreement with that. And why do they think that it, leading innovation is different? Because in innovation, you have the highest degree of risk possible, and you have the highest degree of ambiguity possible. Because an innovation either succeeds or not, so you're at risk. I mean, things either appear or they don't appear, or what you make appear as an innovation person, it either succeeds with its intended market or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you know, your risk is black and white. You either make it or you don't. It's very obvious. There is nothing uh, that can cover up for that. Um, likewise the ambiguity i mean by its very nature innovation you're creating something that's new to that organization and that just comes with it not really the highest degree of ambiguity that you can really face in an organization and therefore that requires different kinds of emphasis different kinds of leadership skills and that's the purpose of the book how do we support innovators how do we support people in that very high risk and very high ambiguity situation but how do we
1: Okay, so we should dive into the book. We know innovation is important. We know that leading innovators is different than leading functional areas. And the title of the book is Supporting Innovators, Trust, Purpose, and mm-hmm. Partnership, which are the three key topics that the book's organized around. You call them the three pillars. And I just want to walk through each one with you. Give us the insights about what's involved. The first one is trusting the innovators. What? Tell us about how you trust the innovators, why that's important to leading innovators.
2: Yeah, and before before I get into that, I do want to say that in the research, there were lots of other things that innovators need from their leaders, like getting resources, uh-huh. um, you know, flying cover for us when things are getting delayed. You know, in other words, keeping the boss's boss at bay if, if things are getting uh, delayed if the timetable has to be pushed back. So, but what's critical to understand is that these three elements rose above everything else. Mm really made the difference. And that's why there's the book, and that's why there is the point that there's a lot of things an an innovation leader can do, but what the book is intended to do and what the research found was, above all else, make sure you're paying attention to these three So with that, we can talk about the three pillars.
1: Absolutely. Good. So it sounds like all the things we would expect from normal, good leadership and management practices, like you got to have resources, you need top cover, you need a strong sponsor, strong connection to customers. Right. Those are in place. But these are the three that stand out that say this is what makes or breaks innovation leadership. Okay. Yes. Tell us about trust.
2: So on trust, you know, it's a big word in the the field of leadership. It's been talked about a lot um, and, and in a lot of different ways. So it's important that I let you know what. What this means, what trust means in this context, and we're talking about the kind of trust that's called competency trust, meaning that leader demonstrates on a day-to-day business, on a day-to-day basis, that they trust that person, that person responsible for, you know, innovation, that they trust that that person has the competency to actually get that work done, um, and why that's important. And if you think about high risk and high ambiguity, the vision that always comes to mind uh, for me is that innovator is walking a high wire. That's what they do for a living. They come in every day and they're always faced with them on the wire. that would bring that high wire walker down Mm -hmm. it's really the same here this person is doing something
1: You had a good example in the book that caught my attention and it talks about during the part of the research, you met an innovation manager who while working on a major new product became discouraged by a snag the project had hit. Yeah. This person goes to their boss and the leader is encouraging. Can you just talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So what was really interesting part of this research was interviews, meaning we did qualitative research in addition to the quantitative numbers that I've been quoting. And uh, so, one of the ways that I like to approach qualitative research is hear stories, uh-huh. because I think that's where a lot of good data, and, and so those stories actually made it into the book, and the one you're referring to uh, was the uh, new product manager was working on a product, and there was some kind of snag in the packaging, and I now forget all the details, but uh, there was a snag in the packaging, and the project was really coming off the hook. In other words, it was running off the rails because now they had no packaging to put this product in. And, uh, so as he told the story, you know, it was late on a Friday afternoon he was tired, exhausted, you know, really feeling beat up. In other words, really losing his top You know, I just, Hey, I'm just not smart enough. I don't know how to figure out of this box that we're in. And the meeting with his boss, what she said to him was, you know, you, you you know this product better than anybody else. You have been living with this idea now for whatever it had been, three months or something. Yes, we've hit a snag, but I'm confident you can figure this out. So why don't you go away, think about it. She knew that the product manager and the product manager said, you know, I do my best kind of clear thinking over the weekend when I'm not answering emails and being distracted. Mm-hmm. She referenced that. You know, I know you do clear thinking, not that I'm asking you to work over the weekend, but sit down, think it through look at some options some packaging options that have been presented by the operations group think it through and see if you can't find a solution and it was that confidence and of course the product manager is a hard-working guy so he did work through the weekend uh but that was not unusual for him but he did have that clarity but it was the confidence that his boss demonstrated and at that point when he was shaking you know mm-hmm. he was just feeling down um, and she emphasized that he had the ability he knows the idea better than anyone else. So who better to figure this out? Who better to find the right answer? And that gave him the confidence that he needed. And, and as the story unfolded, you know, he came back in with a solution. Um, and it turned out to be um, the solution that he chose. It turned out to not only get the product and the project back on track, but the packaging design itself at the end of it all won, you know, some kind of notable awards for innovative package design as well. So it just goes to show what, uh, in those one-on-one moments, what leaders can do to demonstrate that trust, to boost that confidence, and the results can be quite outstanding. And the meeting didn't last long, that Friday meeting with his boss didn't last long, but what she did in that moment was demonstrate that trust, and that was exactly the fuel he needed, not only to resolve the issue, but to resolve the issue with great results.
1: And obviously there was a relationship in place already, to be able to have yeah. conveyed that and so that the new product manager didn't feel that as pressure, right, but felt it more as I'm confident that if anyone can pull this off, you can, and that that was encouraging. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we all get stuck in that space, mm-hmm. right? If we're feeling the pressure of the stress, like, man, I've looked at this every way I can, there's not a solution here. We start seeing everything in a negative light and that just limits our creativity and we're not seeing all the solutions anymore. And having someone come along beside you, especially a leader that you respect and have worked with. And say, you know, if anyone can figure this out, you can just, you know, back off from it a little bit, look at it differently. Yeah. I got faith that if it can get done, you can do it.
2: That's huge. You can do it. And we, you know, we talk about in the book, we give practical application, right? So, um, you know, exactly what the what could that boss do? And in some ways, uh, and this is mentioned in the book, what that boss was doing was coaching. In other words, she might have had an answer, or, you know, she could have said, well, you know, choose the package over here on this page, choose that. Um, or giving him the answer, but instead what she was doing was coaching it out of him, again, by applying the confidence, right? In other words, um, to come back in on Monday morning, you know, that really was, it was his idea. So he owned that idea, not only to build his confidence, but he got there because she kind of coached it into him. She didn't give him the answer. Mm-hmm. she didn't uh, she brought it she brought out the best in him and so we talk about you know again how can i demonstrate this trust And coaching is one of those using a more coaching approach where the, per, where the point of coaching is to bring them to the answer not to give them the answer in other words for them to use their knowledge and ability to come to the answer but to encourage them to do that is uh, one of the techniques that we talk about as far as how do i demonstrate that competency trust
0: interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the rapid product mastery or RPM experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader after trying all the typical training workshops turned to the RPM experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at the Everydayinnovator.com slash rpm.
1: Key for element, competency, trust—that takes us to purpose.
2: Yes. Yeah. So again, one of the things that we know and found out through this research is um, innovation takes a long time. You know, and it was actually getting the idea and driving the idea through an organization of any size. You know, as, as much as we would like to think that organizations are quick at it, it still it, it, there, there's a long number of days or months in that uh, to get all of that done and what can happen over that period of time is the purpose can get lost in other words that person driving the innovation is dealing with these snags day in day out maybe getting a little discouraged here or there getting some bad market research back or something like that and they can lose the purpose they can lose sight if you will of the horizon and what we heard and saw time and time again is Another way to support that innovator is for that boss to keep that innovator's sight on the horizon. What is the big picture? What are we really trying to get done here so that they don't lose that, so that they don't lose sight of that? In other words, they, they always know what they're really shooting for, and that provides, of course, a lot of motivation and keeps them on track as well. So that keeping purpose front and center is the second
1: pillar. Okay. And how does that align with the bigger kind of vision mission of the organization? That you know, all of us, I think, have a desire, and unfortunately it's not true for too many of us, but we have a desire to wake up in the morning, right, hop out of bed and be excited about what's going to happen that day, right? The people we get to work with, the projects we get to work on, the customers we might get to interact with and look forward to the day. And many of us don't actually. But organizations that have a compelling mission, right, that people are attracted to mm-hmm. to be part of that organization, how does that translate to this picture of purpose for the innovators and for the leaders who are leading those innovators?
2: So it can very much tie into the overall strategy or overall mission of the organization. Um, And that's, again, one of the techniques that we talk about under that second pillar of, well, how do I keep purpose from the center? What do I really do as a leader? And one of the suggestions is, well, how does this project that that person is working on, new product or service or whatever the innovation is, how does it map? to the larger mission of the organization or the larger strategy of the organization. And by demonstrating that, by explaining that and uh, you know, through the course of the months or days or weeks, whatever it takes to get the innovation done, to keep mapping it and keep showing them how it fits into the bigger picture uh, is certainly a technique to use. So exactly what you're talking about, right? They want to come in, they want to serve the organization. And so keeping it front and center to them how this project serves or maps to uh, the greater purpose of the organization or the broader strategy of the organization Mm -hmm. is a real important and and somewhat easy thing to do, assuming leaders keep that in mind, that they have to keep purpose-front and center, and that's one way
1: to do it. Right. And making it clear how the project that your new product manager is working on, how that does indeed tie into that bigger picture. All of us want to be part of something that's important, right? The Maslow's hierarchy kind of that, in that middle level is the <laughs> social level. And a lot of people look at the social needs and say, oh, yeah, we need to interact with each other. And we should have the pizza parties and you know, have our team outings and get to know each other better. But what is actually being talked about there by Maslow at the social level is we have to be a part of something that's important. And if it's not <laughs> important, why bother, right? If it doesn't matter, it don't matter as a person anymore. And that's what you are just talking about, that how does this tie into the bigger picture of what is important to this organization, important to our future, important to our customers?
2: I like that. So there's a lot of discussion about workforce planning and the fact that we have millennials and that they want purpose in their work, more so than maybe generations ahead of them or even a generation ahead. They want purpose. So this uh-huh. really applies, you know, it's that same thinking, but now it applies to whatever project that person, that innovation person is working on. What's the real purpose of this? What does the organization get out of it? Some research I did a few years back looking at uh, what makes people successful in these innovation roles. One of the things that I found was the people that had uh, gotten into those roles and made entire careers out of them and therefore contributed maybe hundreds of millions of dollars uh-huh. uh, in innovation to their organization. One of the things that drove those people was that what they were doing fed the future of the organization. In other words, that project that they were working on wasn't just that project. They right. had a much larger purpose. And that larger purpose was to keep that organization growing and to keep it relevant and that bigger purpose is what allowed them to come back day after day and walk that high wire or whatever analogy you want to use to do that difficult, highly ambiguous, highly risky work of yeah. innovation.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so we have trust. Trust your innovators. We're well, have got competency, trust, purpose, keeping your innovators focused. And now we're up to partner, that we need to partner with our innovators if we're going to lead innovation.
2: Yeah. So partnership. To me, that was the pillar that was the most striking and the one that as I convey this, you know, to audiences, whether I'm doing a keynote or whether I'm running a workshop is kind of difficult for those leaders to get their heads around because it does require more art. Meaning what partnership means is what that is really getting in there and rolling up your sleeves and doing what that, what that innovator needs you to do in that moment. And that may be things like, uh, we're hitting a snag. I just need somebody to to brainstorm with me ways around the snag. I I just need a kind of a partner that way. Um, Or I need someone to maybe get me some resources or whatever. So partnership is really about that leader coming down off of their pedestal and really being an equal with that person. And doing what that person needs at that particular point in time. And why that's so difficult, I think, for leaders to take on is, one, it requires them to let go of a little bit of ego. You know, now this person reporting Mm -hmm. to me maybe is more the boss. They have to tell me what they need. I'm going to do what they need. Um, And so I think, you know, there's a little ego involved that makes it difficult. And then I think the other thing that makes it difficult is, well, if, if I'm an equal um, is am I then somehow breaking that trust? In other words, if I get down there and ideate with them rather than encouraging them to go ideate, am I breaking that trust? And the answer to that question is no. And this is more of an art than an exact science. It's knowing when to be that uh, partner and when you need to be that person that's more coaching, um, you know, more demonstrating that competency trust that we talked about a few minutes ago. So I think it's the most difficult one to understand, but in practice, what it looks like is really that boss being a servant leader, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. being in equal partnership and doing what that innovator needs at that particular point in time. And there's a story, again, in the book that talks about, um, you know, and this was a very senior level person, uh, you know, there was this new idea that dramatically change the way the industry worked. So it was a, it was a really big idea. And um, he took it into, you know, his CEO. The CEO, the chief innovation officer took it into a CEO and, you know, he said he went in there expecting to get grilled about the idea. You know, why was it behind time? Why, why was it working? Where's the financials, all of that. And what she really said to him when, you know, she asked him to come in or whatever and just kind of give her an update. She said, it all sounds like you really got it, which is that demonstration of competency, trust, but then the next thing, the dem- what she said, was the demonstration of her being a partner. She said, what do you need me to do
1: uh-huh.
2: in order to make sure that we get this done? Because I get it. It's going to dramatically change the industry. What do you need me to do? And he said, I need you to settle to the board. Yeah. She said, great, the board meeting is next week. So uh, that's what I'll do. And that's a, that's an example of partnership and kind mm-hmm. of the differentiation between being someone who demonstrates competency trust, but also can flip and then just be an equal partner and take orders, if you will. And that partnership is so important. Again, as one in one of our interviews, one of the respondents described, you know, innovation is like trying to build a boat in a storm, you know, I mean, the sea, for the, the sea is raging all around you. And sometimes. You know, you just need somebody to get in water and help you nail the boards together to build the boat. You know, you you need an equal partner. And sometimes the right person to be that equal partner is your boss.
1: That's good. You mentioned servant leadership in there, right? People that are naturally servant leaders probably find this aspect a little bit easier to pull off. Yeah. And probably transformational leaders probably can ease into it pretty good. But it is this issue of giving up your ego, serving the other person, being their equal, and then knowing, like you said, when to partner and when to coach with them. I've been watching the series, I watch it on Hulu, uh, New Amsterdam. It's a medical that takes place in a hospital yeah. hospital series. And the yep. the lead uh, character is Dr. Max Goodwin. And I, for one, I just love the name, right? Goodwin, and he's trying to do good at the hospital. He's the new hospital director. In many scenes, you see him coming into an encounter, and his, his question is always, how can I help? It's, it's almost the first yeah. thing he says, yeah. how can I help? Yeah. I just thought it was a good example of that kind of partnering attitude.
2: Right. I'm here to work with you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to call you up short when you don't do what you need to do. And if you think about that high risk, high ambiguity uh, Mm -hmm. situation, and that's why that boat in the storm imagery sticks with me so much, is the last thing you need (laughs) when you're working at the highest risk possible in an organization, the highest level of ambiguity. Is somebody who's just kind of standing and waiting to see if you're going to make it or not. You know, that just that that means you're going to do the safest things, or you are going to sink, you're not going to swim, all of those kinds of things. But if if instead of standing and waiting to see whether or not if you can make it, someone steps right in and gets equal with you and does, works with you and rolls up their sleeve and does what you need them to do, or helps you do what is obviously something that needs to get done. That's that partnership. And that's why partnership is so important and one of those three most important things when it comes to helping innovators and really supporting them in the right way and in the ways that are critical that make the difference to them.
1: We were talking a little bit before we started recording the interview About people that make it into the C-suite roles. And that while the C-suite talks about innovation being so very important, right? And CEOs talk about, you know, you said 84% plus the innovation is important to the future of the organization. That we actually typically, and this has been my experience too, and I've talked with a colleague who has had dinners with a few hundred CEOs at this point in his career. Very little actual knowledge in the C-suite of innovation, actual experience mm-hmm. of having to brought something that did not exist, you know, into the marketplace. Right. And one of the reasons for that you shared, just talk through that a little bit. I don't want to save your
2: thunder here. So, and I can't quote the exact date, but Harvard Business Review here in the last 30 days published um, a study that was done uh, that looked at the board of directors and had them rank their expertise in various areas that were critical to the organization. And what was the stunning finding there was how low innovation ranked. So this understanding of what innovation is really like, what it's like to be that person on the high wire, what it's like to, as I like to say, create magic. In other words, to come in every day and dream up a new idea and make that idea take wings and actually get it executed and get it through and it's successful. Mm -hmm. The understanding of that, the missing piece Start right at the board. So if you look at that research that HBR published, if innovation ranks very low on a capability for the board, you start at that level and say there are people on the board that don't understand what that innovator is going through. Um, and then when you come down to the C-suite, oftentimes you will find that there's not really first-hand innovation experience. Sometimes there is, but oftentimes there's not. So there is this missing piece. Of what we call our senior managers, and when I say senior managers, I mean C-suite, very senior level VPs, and even board of directors, the understanding of what it really means to do the work of mm-hmm. innovation. They've never had 1st experience, and so therefore, all they can do is say, I want some of that, but what's missing is "But how do I support that? What, is, right. what does it mean to do that, and how do I play a role? Yeah. So I did another phase of this research um, where I went up to the C-suite. And we did the we duplicated the research. We just changed the sample. So the research uh, that was done that created the book uh, was done at you know the, that management level It was managers of innovators. What we did in the second phase was we went up to the C-suite and conducted the same research. What we were after was at that interpersonal level. In other words, boss to direct report. What are the behaviors that that boss is doing that encourages innovation? One of the behaviors that boss is doing that discourages innovation and the finding was that even at that very high level trust purpose partnership were those things that rise above all else hmm. um, and so it added ballast if you will it added stability to the findings from the first study at the, at the manager level uh, but what it really came down to was uh, yeah, my summation of why we found the exact same thing at the high levels and at the mid-levels in the organization is trust and purpose and partnership is I think when you get right down to it, when you're responsible in some way, regardless of your level, regardless of your pay grade for facing a blind sheet of paper and filling that blind sheet of paper, getting that idea off the blind sheet of paper and, and it working in the marketplace, I think there's something very fundamental that you need from your boss. And those fundamental things are trust, purpose, and partnership. Do you trust me? Do you think I can get this done? And that applies even if you're the chief innovation officer. You need that sense of trust from your CEO. Uh If that CEO is sending signals in any way that they don't believe that CIO knows what he or she is doing, that's breaking that sense of competency trust. And it's, to some extent, shaking the confidence That CIO, even though that CIO is know (laughs) high-powered, well-paid, well-formed executive, they can still lose their confidence. And that loss in confidence will trickle all the way down. And what do you think is happening to that poor innovator who's trying to drive that idea? His boss is losing confidence because his or her boss is losing confidence because the CIO is losing confidence. That shaking in confidence Mm -hmm. ultimately works its way down and drives that innovator right off the path. Right. In other words, they start going to safe bets or they want to leave the job. <laughs> right. It's too, too hot in that kitchen. Um, and same with purpose. You know, if there's if the CEO isn't clear about what his or her purpose is or what, uh, excuse me, if they're not clear about what the purpose of innovation is, if they haven't stated the vision of innovation, um, if they're not verbalizing, them, if they're not making it clear, how does innovation fit in? Um, and I believe that, you know, innovation is important and I'm going to, you know, state that purpose over and over and I'm going to demonstrate that I believe innovation has purpose here versus, you know, well, I said innovation was important, but, you know, now we got quarterly results. So I need, I just need a bunch of sales from existing, you know, in other words, if they hold to it uh-huh. and they say innovation is important and they continue to say why and how that that is equally important coming from the CEO, CEO as it is coming from that manager of innovation. And then partnership, the same thing. you know. And again, we approach the research at the C-suite level the same way. We did qualitative research with so we could hear stories. And I asked in particular for stories so I could just hear how it really works. And um, the partnership angle really works the same. In other words, okay. when that CIO feels that his or her CEO really will work with them, uh, will not just sit there and demand innovation to happen, but will do what uh, that CIO needs him or her to do, even at that senior level. In other words, they'll come down off their pedestal and really work together with that CIO to drive innovation. It's just as important as that manager of innovators coming down off of his or her pedestal and playing as an equal partner with their innovation person.
1: That's good. Thank you for sharing that. So the three pillars are kind of aligned throughout the organization at at any level for leading innovation. We just have to recognize, you you characterize this well, right? What makes innovation tough? It's a high-risk, high-ambiguity situation.
2: And higher on those two elements than anywhere else in any organization. It really is.
1: And thankfully, some of us are wired to move into that because that's what we enjoy, creating new things and creating value for customers. Right. Excellent. Thank you for the information in the book. Uh, As people listening know, I love innovation quotes. Which one did you uh, bring for us today, and why did you choose that one? Yeah,
2: so the quote uh, that I brought for you today is in the front of the book, how the book starts off. It's um, a quote uh, that really kind of comes out of after hearing all of these stories and uh, thinking about what is this, why are these three things, these kind of fundamental interpersonal things that have to happen. And so the quote goes like this. When we're creating, we are at our most human. And we w- when we are at our most human, we are at our most vulnerable. And what that quote means, the first part, when we are creating, we're at our most human, is that there is this unique human capability to invent, to create new ideas, and to make those ideas work. And so as human beings, we have that unique ability. AI may take that away from us I <laughs> most small-
1: the quote. Thanks for sharing it with us, Mike. And anyone that wants it, you find it in the front of Mike's book. Tell us, Mike, where can we find Supporting Innovators' Trust, Purpose, and Partnership? And also, if they want to find out more about the work that you're doing there at Center for Creative Leadership.
2: So, the book's available on Amazon. Go to Amazon, Supporting Innovators. Uh, Google that or my name, Michael T. Mitchell. And, uh, or you can find it on ccl.org. As far as reaching me, uh, you can Find me on LinkedIn, Mike Mitchell, Mitchell Innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always contact me on LinkedIn and private message me that way.
1: Excellent. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. Make it easy for every innovators to find those resources. I think how leaders support innovation is just as important as how what innovators know about how we actually innovate. Mm-hmm. And being in organizations where this is done well is just so much better for everyone. So getting more of this information out into the hands of leaders, how they need to lead differently when they're leading innovators is really valuable for us. So appreciate you sharing the findings of your research and and those conclusions with us.
2: Thank you, chance Good to be with you again.
1: Thanks again for listening to the Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence. So you'll create products customers love. That was a really important discussion with Mike sharing how leadership is really different for innovation in the areas of trust, purpose, and partnership. Again, find the notes, find the summary of that discussion at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 228. Keep innovating.
0: Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit the theeverydayinnovator.com.